Lost Universe Live. And today we are going Disney once again. I'm on a roll, so why not, right? All right, guys, let's jump in and do this. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Alt Universe Live. This series where we cover all the nerdy things that we want. And my hair is a little funky right now. I'm using you guys as a mirror. Um, all right, guys, so today we're going to do some more Disney. A little bit of old, a little bit of new, a whole lot of fun. Um, so without further ado, we're going to jump on. We'll get our guest on in just a second, too, so he will join in on the fun. But first, let's talk super bleh. Let's talk normally. <laughs> first, let's talk our superstar limo. And our superstar of the day is here. So, what the heck? Let's let him come on. See what he has to say. All right. It's Andy. Woo! Hey. It's like, who's that Pokemon? It's Andy. Um, I choose hi. you. So, we all know him from the Awesome Geeks Out podcast. And we'll get to more of that at the end of the show as usual. But first, let's just jump in as I was trying to speak. Because I can't speak, but I can. Who knows? <laughs> we'll see what happens. It's live. It's fun. All right. So first up here is a extinct ride uh, that originally opened back in 2001 at California Adventure and Disneyland Resort called the Superstar Limo. It really was exactly kind of what it sounded like. It was... Kind of a weird ride through Hollywood, making you feel like a superstar, because that's what I think of when I think of Disneyland. Um, there was a very funny ad for it. I don't know if you ever saw it with Richard Kind and I think uh, John Lithgow or something, basically trying to find Michael Eisner because they're like, "Oh, you told us there was a big deal coming on," you know. And there's this whole advertising they did trying to explain that. I think Mickey Mouse popped out because why not? This was one of those ideas, and I think we've kind of sort of discussed stuff like this before. Um, it worked for a moment. It was clever, but it didn't stick. Now, I know you weren't on that last video I did about the dark rides, but I did uh, Snow White and Pinocchio. Mm. Those two are still around, probably because they're Pinocchio and Snow White. I mean, who are we kidding? Um, because I, I, I know you're on the other side, so you're over by the Disney World area. Yeah. Have you seen this, or is this the first time you've heard of this? No, I am. I am a connoisseur of of bad Disney rides, and like I watch a lot of videos on right. like defunct Disney rides. I am very familiar with this thing. Um, I am familiar with the the animatronics that are not really animatronics. Right. It's, uh, I, I, it's just, it's weird. It's like, I, I recall puppets like this being done in the eighties for, I don't know if you, you're familiar with the, uh, the British, uh, puppet show spitting image where they would take like widely exaggerated caricatures of, uh, celebrities and politicians. Uh, I think I might've seen some pictures. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, you know, every time I think of the, that thing where you're being introduced to, you gotta be in the premiere at this time and it's like this agent and the agent kind of looks like that spitting image puppet and you know pizza the hut and space balls um 
And it's like every bad Hollywood trope kind of thrown in to a ride, which is just like, it's, there's no excitement. It's just, hey, it's Hollywood. And there's Tim Allen and there's Drew Carey. And they're just yeah, and I'm glad you this. actually said that because as I'm, you know, when I was doing my research, they, they, you know, they have all the celebrities, but in animated puppet form, because that's what I want to see. I want to see Antonio Banderas as a puppet. Right. Um, now, really, the ride literally sounds as if you are flying into L.A. for the first time and you have to see all the, all the stops. So you start at LAX because why not? You then go to Grauman's Chinese Theater, which, you know, I give them that. That is actually a very, you know, um, historically known location. But then you end up taking a drive down Rodeo, Sunset Strip, Bel Air and Malibu. And maybe it's just me talking because I live here. But those are not what you think of when you're thinking of famous Hollywood, whatever, unless you're one of those people that likes to try to stalk celebrities and that's where you go because that's where they live. I'm just kidding. Don't <laughs> stalk people. That's not okay. Um, yeah. At the end of it, you end up coming back to where you started and you exit the limo, you know, feeling like the superstar you are. Um, this is definitely, yeah, this is definitely one of those times where, and again, I actually thought this was older. I was very surprised to hear that it was 2001, only about 20 years ago. And, you know, they have, they, they, they did one with the Muppets where I guess they revamped it for like a night and they had Miss Piggy and they had Kermit. Now it's the Monsters Inc. ride over here, which makes a lot yeah. more sense because, you know, it's a ride. It's got the characters, all that. So that is one I'm going to automatically rip off the shelf saying, nope, that was very silly i'm you know we'll, we'll be polite and say silly of an idea <laughs> it's you know what the interesting thing is too is that on the on our on, on on our park here on the east coast i don't even live anywhere near florida but yet it's it's our park um i know right the aerosmith rock and roller coaster is kind of on the same premise you're in a stretch limo you got to get to a premiere or a party or something like that but it's a full speed roller coaster in the dark it's actually a thrill ride and maybe some people think that that's how fast you go on the way to your party who knows i don't know uh, it um, is aerosmith after all and <laughs> I, that, there there could be so many things said right there but i think for yeah. the sake of time and you know politeness um all right so off to the next one here and actually i did not realize this place was still open just under a different name we had videopolis which was at the time Another one of the millions of theaters that Disney seems to think they have to need because you never have enough space to have dancing puppets and people in costumes. Yeah. Today, however, it is known as the Fantasy Theater Land, so I bet we all can guess where that's located in. It seats 5,000 square foot outdoors, um, and in 95 is when they renamed it. Um, in 2013, it was renamed to the English classic spelling. So we now have the R-E instead of the E-R. I, you know, I can't tell you why. I probably don't care why, but you know. And the first show for that revamp was called Mickey and the Magic Map. Because, of course, when you have to open it up again, Mickey's going to be the first thing. Of course. No matter what, it's like Looney Tunes and Bugs Bunny. There's 50 other characters, but all we care about is Bugs Bunny, apparently. Yeah. Um, so this one was where they used to have uh, the Mickey Mouse Club films on screen. They used to have some of the old um, original shows, you know, the original costumes, stuff like that. 
This place I would give a 85-90%. While it's not necessarily thrilling, I know you and I have talked about how it's nice to have places like this when you've got the kids and you want to sit down and you can kind of let them yeah. whatever and you guys can kind of relax for 10 or 15 minutes. Um, it's It appears to me that this is kind of turning into their version of how to have a concert or an outdoor movie theater. Now, this is not the first time, obviously, Universal does this, Knott's Berry Farm has this. Anybody who's a theme park, I think you would agree, has at least two or three outdoor stages to do something. Yeah. Um, the question, though, and again, because you and I, we both, we do our research, we watch videos to get our, you know, get our ideas and stuff like that. What is it that makes some of these more popular for video and the other ones not so much? I think a lot of it is just it, you know, again, it's just that that time to rest and decompress. Um, you know, again, all I can think of in terms of an equivalent that we have here is uh, the outdoor uh, theater they use for Fantasmic at Disney Hollywood Studios. Um, okay. The thing with that is that they don't have like the big video monitors or anything. Right. A lot of it is set up for. Um, they do they do water screens, so they okay. blast a a literal screen of water and can project off of that, and it looks the effect is really cool. Now, in terms of Videopolis, I I, I feel like that was set up almost as a way that um, they can run promotional concerts and stuff through ABC, their parent company. Yes. Um, you know, to do, it, it's more of a multifunctional area. While it's great to have concerts and be able to put shows on and stuff like that, it also is a really good performance space outside of the umbrella. You could do something with ABC there. You could do something with ESPN there or any of these other companies that are under the Disney umbrella. Right. And I think, I mean, you know, recently, I don't know if you saw it or not, but they did that Disney sing-along uh, where they had a bunch of the celebrities yep. there. And I believe some of them were, you know, singing, dancing, whatever, in front of this as well. And as you were talking, I was reading through, they, they've done many, um, um, what do you call it, telethons there with with actors and singers mm -hmm. and sports stars. They've had concerts in the past, New Kids on the Block. I mean, I'm talking, you know, way back in the 80s and 90s. Uh, Jen Jackson was there, Debbie Gibson. So they did use it for, you know, like you said, they used it to make some more revenue because the kids might not get it. The right. adults will definitely get it because it's like, hey, I grew up with those people. But <laughs> either way, you have both people happy. The adults can sit back, enjoy some old songs that they remember, and the kids could dance and be crazy and do whatever and probably knock out for the rest of the day. And you're like, thank God, now they're asleep. Now we can, you know, now we can go home. Um, yeah. Looking at it, though, as I was reading, Disneyland Paris has their version of it. They call it, you know, they call it something else. It's it's in a different, it's in French, so I don't know how to pronounce it. But um, you're right, though. This, to me, and maybe I kind of, you know, the, 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 you, you kind of answered the question. I think the part of the question you answered was the importance of it. But I think generally speaking, there's no big difference to me of any of these stages necessarily. Like you said, you have the one for Fantasmic over there. We have a bunch over in uh, California Adventure that does like the Frozen show and the Lion King and whatever. Um, unlike the Superstar Limo that was trying to be a ride, to me, this is really strictly extra space to do something that you may or may not need to do. 
personally. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you're right, though. You know, they have so many channels. They have so many um, uh, studios. It's probably easy for them to say, hey, we're going to shut this down for an hour, shoot something really quick, and then you can have it back for the rest of the day because it's just empty space most of the time from what right. I'm reading. Right. Um, you know, and that that's really what it is. So I think, you know, between the two, because, again, I I swore the video I watched that this thing was, was extinct, but apparently I misheard, I misread. It's still there just under a different name. Um, so between those two, if you really had to pick something, are you more for the really kind of obscure dark ride or do you like a place to sit and relax while the kids kind of run and do their thing? Um, yeah, I guess it depends on my mood. Quite honestly, the, the, well, the thing is that the demo does nothing for me. I don't, I don't feel like just being pulled through room to room to room is that exciting. I mean, if, but it also depends too, who's performing. Um, you know, we've got this right. thing coming up at Epcot. I'm going to be in Epcot next month. And I looked at the list like, oh, who's going to be there the day we're going to be there? It's like, God, ah, no one good. <laughs> oh, darn. Now, and I, and I think that answer is perfectly reasonable. And that's what any, anybody would say. I mean, for me, I probably would be more for the stage because I'm kind of more, I like to sit. I kind of like to veg out. Yeah. I can give or take most people, but you're right. If it's somebody that's so like, really, why am I watching this? Yeah, I guess I'd go over and pop on that ride and be like, okay, let's just be a little more awkward for a minute instead of sitting for 20 minutes and listening to somebody who I don't want to listen to because whatever reason. Um, right. But yeah, you make a very good point. And I think even to this day, um, I think it was, we're talking about Animal Kingdom, how you said, you know, you liked how at one point there was kind of a sitting area where you guys could kind of like decompress, you can get a little shade. And you're right. It depends on what you're doing, where you're at, what day you're going, who you're going with. Maybe you're not with the kids. Maybe it's just you and your wife. Maybe it's you mm -hmm. and your friends. Who it doesn't, you know, it depends on what your actually purpose is. Um, and look, I mean, it's the I don't know if you caught the other video I did with my other guests, but really it, it's all becoming the revenue thing. You know, over Valentine's Day, they did a, did a, did a big thing for Super Bowl because it was the same weekend. And we, me and my guests thought that that was, you know, that was ridiculous. Why am I going to pay? Because I'm, I'm not a football fan personally. So why am I right. going to pay to go watch something I don't want to watch, right? This is that kind of thing. Yeah, They're allowed to do it. They're allowed to do whatever they want. But if I'm going to pay for something, I'd like to have attraction that are at least 50% enjoyable. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, I, you know, it's a way to bring it to, especially because, like, in terms of the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl is local. Right. For exactly. That, for so us, it was local, thing, yes. Too, is that giving, giving them that kind of like that, that festival atmosphere, being able to go somewhere, watch the game on a huge screen, you know, with a thousand of your closest, hopefully vaccinated friends. And, um, you know, I, I can understand that, that to some people there is an appeal to that. Uh, it's like, I mean, it just reminds me back in the day when, um, before the, the advent of pay-per-view, if you wanted to go see like a, in my case, the, the reference I'm making is for like early wrestling matches, like rest, the first okay. three WrestleManias, we didn't have pay-per-view. You would go to the stadium and you would essentially watch the event on a screen, like a closed circuit screen, like a big screen right. okay. at your sporting uh, arena because you couldn't just watch it from home. Right. No, and that makes perfect sense. I mean, I'm actually got to ask that question because I, yeah. I do like that comparison 
that yes, it definitely has changed. There's definitely more stuff now and definitely, you know, just with, with how everything changes. I mean, not even talking about if there's a problem happening, not even talking about the world is safe. There's no, there's no difference. It's really just what are you okay doing and what are you not okay doing? And yeah. if you like, if you are a sports person yourself and you want to do it, by all means, go and do it. If you're not a sports person like me, you know, you'll sit this one out for the day. It's yes. not no skin off my back. It's no, you know, I save a couple bucks because I don't have to go. And then you go back when you're, you know, when you're ready to go. So that is a very good thing. And who would have thought that extinct and non-extinct rides would have got such a rant out of us? But it's yeah. true. I mean, amusement parks have that have that ability now to really make you either super happy or just really, really angry for no apparent reason. Both sides. Um, all right. So moving on really quick, um, our next topic here. And this one, it's funny because all the information I read is actually from student papers because this is one of those questions that apparently they want to talk about in school. How did Disney himself and his, uh, st and his uh, franchises shape the world it is today? Now, for me, I don't know if you've read this before, but with the Tomorrowland thing, Many people look at his Tomorrowland back in the day and they compare it to the World's Fair back, you know, the, the, the one where everything was introduced. And they look at Tomorrowland, they look at some of his uh, animatronics, they look at Fantasyland. And a lot of people have said, because of that, we are where we are, we have what we have because of the ideas he did. Now, it's a little bit of a stretch because keep in mind, we're talking about a guy who made an entirely fake world of talking animals and none of this stuff is actually real, but there is something to be said. So, for instance, you have got the Hall of Presidents, you have the, the inventions they used to have, and then you have Tomorrowland, and you have all of the, the, the spinnerets, and you have all of the machinery. Now it's Star Wars land over here. You have all of the machinery. Is there any proof that him himself had any function on our culture and world today from creating Disneyland or Disney in general? Um, well, I mean, it was always a matter of pushing the envelope, I think, um, being able okay. to, to do bigger and better. A lot of what he had innovated had already been done, but not done to the, the type of scale in terms of like, I mean, we look at integrating live action with animation now. We, we okay. look at that. We look at also, I mean, we can look at it in terms of how it was done in the Alice shorts uh, from the, the 20s. We can see how it was done throughout. And now if we really think about it, we think about the innovations that were made there um, in terms of making it look like the person was actually in with a, an artificial character. We see that a lot now in our movies. Um, we see that you know in a lot of our movies, characters are completely computer generated or... Um, right. You know, we see that a, a, a lot of what the parks have given us, um, a lot of breakthroughs in, in robotics, uh, animatronics. I mean, animatronics is a huge thing. Um, it gives us a great way of immersing ourselves. The, I mean, the big thing I remember hearing about um, Walt Disney in terms of the early days of, um, of Disneyland was that he never wanted to see a cowboy in Tomorrowland. He made sure that those were hidden, that the illusion was never broken. Um, and in terms right. of theme park uh, innovation, 
I, I, I Disney's got it down pat. I feel like Universal is, does a really good job with their with, with Harry Potter. Um, right. I mean, I'm really interested in seeing how they're going to be able to integrate you in with something like uh, the Nintendo World, which is supposed to be opening up sometime, sometime. Uh, <laughs> No, and actually, what I was going to bring up because you you uh, you kind of made me think of it with the whole metaverse thing happening going on too. Is Disney? Is Universal? Is Knott's Berry Farm? Maybe not Knott's Berry Farm. Is Magic Mountain? Whatever. Are they going to in, include anything that might make it easier? Because I think I think you and I talked about once where you know having a, like a chair at home that would allow you to be on a ride without having to actually be in a ride. Do you think any of these parks would care to spend money on the virtual park? Because think about what we're doing today in life. Virtual reality is like 98% of what we do now. So right. what do you think? I think that they're, well, I think they're already implementing that. Stuff like um, Flight of Passage, which is at Animal Kingdom, is okay. is a, a, an almost, I would say, 85% virtual ride. There is a there is a mechanical um, aspect to it in terms of how you're essentially I mean you're essentially just riding on a rodeo bull that actually has a bladder built in so it can breathe and you can feel it breathing um, okay. between your legs while you're watching that you are fully immersed in um, in this virtual world none of that is real it's all digitally created. Um, so it kind of sounds like they did this before it even started, in a way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the metaverse is really it's more, that's more of the Ready Player One type of world. I don't think we're ready for that yet. I really, <laughs> I'm not. No, um, no, I'm not either. I, I like I like. I like to be able to feel the ground as I'm walking. I don't want to be like floating through air for no particular reason. Right. Right. Um, no, I mean that it's. It's a it's a crazy thing to think, and I, and you know of all the things that Disney did, I mean he's not the not the nicest man in history, but when it comes to his work ethic, I think you have a point. I think he was able in that brain of his to pump out who knows what and make it visible on the screen or on paper or in person. Um, the other, the only other comparison, and I say this because Star Wars is now under it, but but George Lucas, when he did the Star Wars thing, that was really out of the box because yeah, there were space movies, there were spaceships. That's that's not the weird part, but he brought you to a planet that's not real, but for all purposes, it is real. Like there are right. probably planets that look like, you know what I mean? That thing for me, you know, Tatooine looks like Mars because it's desert, it's dirt, it's yeah. right. You know what yeah. I mean? So Disney, I, I, I don't want to give him so much credit because you know I think a lot of things happen as they go. So like he wasn't the one that said, "Hey, let's make the metaverse." Like that was not a thing in the fifties. But somebody somewhere obviously looked at what he did and said, "Hmm, that's kind of neat. How can we expand?" And then it just kind of kept rolling from there. So. I would give him partial credit for being responsible for some of how we do things today. I wouldn't go as far as saying maybe our technology, because I don't really know if he really, you know, made the rockets that we had, made the space shuttle. But I definitely think he was able to have those people who made the rockets go, okay, if he can make this, what can we do 
in the real uh, world. Right, exactly. And I know, like, in a lot of cases, he was bringing in innovations from the real world and gave them voice more than implementing them himself. I mean, if we think about, I mean, we think about this stuff now in terms of the fact that most of our favorite rides at either the Disney parks essentially are nothing more than like flight simulators. They're, you know, they actually put you in a legitimate military grade flight simulator and have you move around in the pre-programmed motions and everything. So yeah, it's not so much the innovation, it's the being able to give voice to these other technological um, innovations. And when it comes to to filmmaking, um, not, I mean, he pushed the envelope for as long as he lived. The company itself is now pushing that envelope in terms of of like world building and storytelling in a way that we don't see anybody else do. No, that is true. And they will, I'm sure they will continue as years go on to keep doing it. And Mm -hmm. we are excited to see, well, I don't know if I'm excited, but I'm interested to see what comes next from them. All right. To wrap it up really quick. And I like talking about this stuff with you because I know you have kids. So you guys do take uh, these trips. I don't know if you've done the cruises before, but we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, Okay. So this, this will be a new for you, but one of the big things now is that the ships are reopening up and Disney I don't know if you've seen the commercials or not, but almost every other commercial now is them saying, hey, come back on board. We have Mickey. We have water slides. And they're really trying to push this. So some of the things there that I always look at, because especially in a time when everything has to be clean, is the kind of food and the kind of dining you have. Now, before we go into this point particularly, do you think there's a difference between hotel dining for Disney and cruise ship dining for Disney? Absolutely. Absolutely. No, so it's on our bucket list to actually do um to to do the cruise at some point. Uh okay. my mother-in-law keeps saying that we're going to do the cruise like uh us, you know, my family and my sister-in-law's family. Uh we will eventually do that. Hopefully that happens at some point soon. But I, I don't know, have you ever been on a cruise ship before? I haven't. I've, I've seen enough videos. I have enough. No, with you know, no, no. I apparently enough. have, but I was, I think, five. Oh, okay. uh, there's, and actually, it was a Disney cruise because um, oh. the pictures of me there, there was like Goofy behind me and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I can't begin to tell you what it was. I can tell you from the pictures what it seemed to be. And really, and again, keep in mind, I was you know born in the '80s. Obviously, cruise ships have changed since then. But really what it seemed like to me at the time was really just a giant boat with decor of, of them. Um, it probably still is today. I'm sure it hasn't changed too much. But um, let me see. Oh, one of our viewers wrote down, as a yeah. kid, the Disney cruise was so fun. I don't remember the food, though, since it was so long ago. Yeah, I was <laughs> going to say that, too. I don't remember what the food was. I remember apparently I got a picture of, like, spaghetti all over my face. So obviously I had spaghetti at some point. Because that's what parents do. They take embarrassing pictures. Um, But yeah, I did go on one. And I do remember going on it from the pictures. But really, and then afterwards, I went on a regular cruise ship when I was like, you know, 13, 14. So I remember that was down to, we went to Cancun. Again, I, I really, it's a very miraculous look. Visually, it's amazing that you can build a city on top of a boat. You're basically on a floating city for, for a few days. Yeah. As far as the idea behind it, and again, it's me, travel's not necessarily my, my forte, it seems a lot of money to do something that you can do other ways a little bit cheaper. 
And my example would be, you know, around, so for instance, uh, I want to go to the Grand Canyon. I haven't been there before. Mm-hmm. The Grand Canyon compared to where I am is, I think it's about six, seven hours away. But I'm on it in a car. I'm, I'm going there. And it's a little easier to do, right? I'm not spending so much other than the, the hotel I probably have to stay at. That to me is the differentiating between a cruise and that. I understand okay. the glory. I understand. I understand the visual. The artwork is amazing. The fact that you like, I, I'm a history buff. I love watching shows about how the boats are built. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if I am fully in taking the splendor as somebody else who who loves cruising on a regular basis. You know what I'm talking about? There is a there is a huge difference between you know let's call them boat people uh, versus like the 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 road weary traveler. There's there's two very different types of things. Um, it's very cruises are very similar, not so much to like going to the Grand Canyon or going to um, maybe taking a historical trip to Washington D.C. or something like that. Right. Maybe it is. You know, your your vacations usually break down into either we go cruising or we go to the beach, uh, be it uh, your local beach or a resort beach. Maybe you maybe you go down to Aruba every other year or something like that. Um, right. So there, there's very different. I mean, what you're looking to get out of your vacation is is a big thing. Um, what I've been able to garner from what the cruise life is like is that it's just they they make it they, they give you a lot of activities to do you are you can constantly eat there's always food available right. um usually the only time the the extras come in are certain desserts uh alcoholic beverages those kinds of things um but i i know that while like uh, we have some friends who do a cruise every year and he told me that the Disney cruise is the most expensive cruise he's ever been on, but it was the only one he felt was worth every single penny of his trip. Okay. All right. And that's, well. that, that speaks a lot to me in terms of what, you know, if I'm, if I'm paying, you know, anywhere from three to eight grand to take my family on a five day, you know, down to the Bahamas or something right? that we give them, um, you know, that we give them the opportunity to be able to, to entertain us. You know, you're, we're paying you, entertain us. Yeah, no, and, and especially if it's Disney or Universal or whoever, you expect that much more because they make yeah. such a big deal about it that if you do get um, poor service, you you tell them, like, they know, and you will hear tweets and you will see comments for months about how poor it was if you end up on one of those ones. And even at the park, like if you're on a bad ride and your 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 conductor person sucks, same thing happens. You will hear about it for like months and months because you expect this. Yeah. And if you get this, you're you're mad. Like, you know. But I'm glad you actually brought up food really quick because one of the things on this one here is one of the restaurants that I wanted to go over really quick. And this is called the Enchanted Garden on the Disney Dream and Disney Fantasy. So those two specific boats. Yep. The ambiance is supposed to be the French countryside, but for those who want a little more magical feeling, they compare it to Alice in Wonderland. So it's kind of like you're having a garden party, you know, mm-hmm. with the Mad Hatter and the rabbit and all those guys. Um, the food here, and I'm going to get your input on this because this is a little odd for me to be reading. You are getting things such as lobster ravioli, ahi and tuna, ahi tuna avocado tower, 
curry, carrot, and apple soup. And then you have some general things such as pork tenderloin, sea bass, mushrooms, chicken, the works. As far as desserts, they have different kinds of cakes, different kinds of chocolates, sundaes, all that stuff. And then for additional fee, like you just mentioned, over 21, you can have a glass or two of something you like as well. They do have breakfast as well. Mickey-shaped waffles are a must. They have their muffins, their eggs, all that stuff. So other than, you know, they have a rotational dining. So other than once in a while, they'll have a theme depending on the year. Yeah. What is that compared to, because I know you've talked about the plans where you eat at the restaurants at the parks. Is that similar to what you've done or is that way more, more high? Um, it tends to be more high end. Um, I mean, the thing with, when you're, when you're on a cruise, you are designated a, a dining time, uh, and okay. you are rotate, you're rotating in and out of a couple of different throughout your, your trip with going to the parks, uh, doing in-park dining, doing resort dining. It's a very different thing because it's on you to make your reservations for those places um, gotcha. but that does give you i feel like that gives you a lot more variety depending on what you want um as long as you can also manage the time again we, we're going next month so you know trying to manage our time where you know the, our favorite restaurant ohana we had to do that on a magic kingdom night because it's in the it's you can see the resort from the Magic Kingdom. It's a monorail right. drop, you know, right away. We had to you have to manage your time that way with with any cruise ship, but especially with Disney dining um, on on the cruise ships, it is still it's very rotational. Um, they have a very wide array of foods, and if it's not on the menu, from everything I've been told, they they can pretty much get you whatever you want if you really you know. <laughs> Yeah. If, and if you don't want to eat there, you don't have to because there are buffets. There are other areas where you can eat. Right. So would you say then, is it worth the fancy or would is it more worth the buffet because both are included? What what would be your forte personally? I would like to at least have like one decent sit down dinner of, you know, and I would do the, if, if it were me if, in, in that position, I would definitely be doing the dinners um, every every evening and just enjoy whatever, you know, buffet food, burgers, fries, hot dogs, that kind of stuff throughout the day. Okay. That's fair. And I mean, you are already paying for it. So you might as well take as much advantage out of it as you can for the length of time that you're, you know, on your trip. Um, yeah. That makes perfect sense. I mean, you know, when I you know, go to a hotel, stuff like that, I remember there was sometimes it's limited. Sometimes there's a lot. Most of the time when you go on a trip, you kind of, you're eating out anyway. This is kind of outside theme parks. So it really yeah. depends on where you're going. You know, when I go on a trip and I go to a hotel, usually I'm not fond of the food there. It's kind of your basic stuff. It's not necessarily bad, but it's not really, yeah. you know, it's not fancy. It's not whatever. So I usually go find a restaurant nearby or I find something that I've eaten at home. So like if there's a, you know, a Coco's or if there's a Cracker Bell, I'll go check that out because, you know, if I can't decide, and for me, food, I never know what I want. So when I can't decide, it's good to have the choices. So I think if anything's learned from this, it's that the cruise lines do give you enough uh, variety that if for some reason you don't want fish, you can have chicken. You don't want either, they have steak. Whatever it is, you yeah. have something that you can eat. And like you said, for the buffet, if you need to grab a quick bite, grab it, go do your thing. 
There's no need to stop and sit and, you know, put the napkin on your lap and do all that stuff. You just kind of get a hot dog and you're good for the day. Um, But yeah, this was a good one. A lot of good information here. So um, I love, I'm glad I was getting you on. Uh, Thank you for joining us. We'll get you on again very soon, I'm sure. Um, As always, guys, if you haven't yet, subscribe to the Geek Solid Podcast on anywhere your local groceries are sold. And same here on YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch for us. Subscribe, uh, give us a share and a like. And we'll be back with much more. We've got another video tomorrow as usual. And as always, please stay safe. Please stay healthy. Please stay nerdy. And may the force, where are my fingers? They're there. May the force be with you all. I can't, I, I can't do things.